Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry, and we are going to talk a little bit about the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting. So don't turn us off if you're not Southern Baptist. Uh, you might learn a few things. And we got ourselves sufficiently annoyed by watching a few videos on a TikTok account called Libs on TikTok. Yeah, it got us in a Yeah, we learned that sufficiently. the gender binary is a construct developed by Western civilization in the 19th century. By racist yeah. colonials. Yeah. And also how but we you, learned something. Yeah, well, we also learned to look at wristbands that will tell you when you're dealing with a gender fluid person, which pronoun they want. Because their gender can change from hour to hour. Yeah, literally. And sometimes you can be multiple. So if they're wearing like, say, uh, yellow and pink, or yeah, it's, I can't remember. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I can't remember. Does it, I mean, yeah, it doesn't even matter. It is an interesting TikTok. We don't, I don't have TikTok. I won't put it on my phone, but uh, not the B seems to post a lot from there. So I clicked on it and found it on my computer and it's quite eye-opening. Not safe for work. No. So we uh, we learned th- though that- Oh, the, you're gonna, I'm gonna try, try, and try to redeem draw this, this in. in some okay. way because everyone's <laughs> probably clicked off already. But we learned that the Southern Baptist Convention exists for like two days. Yeah, yeah, when they convene. During the con- that, that yeah. convention. That's when all the churches send their messengers, which are basically representatives. They're, a messenger is a person who represents your local church, and you can send X number. Uh, it's based upon various criteria, and they go and they are given ballots and represent you. Yeah. So, yeah, people sometimes forget SBC is not a denomination. Right. So, but in th- in practice, it exists for two or three days when the convention's happening, and then this thing called the executive committee basically is what carries things on throughout the year. Right. So you form all of those things, and yeah. you vote for a president, but the president is not in authority over the local church, which is something I think I've learned to appreciate about the SBC because when I first came, uh, I was not too excited about being a pastor of an SBC church, but I had a guy who was real helpful in explaining to me how everything is from bottom up in the SBC. So as much as people will scream and holler and mock and laugh, and for good reason, at various things that take place. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. So if you didn't know, we are SBC. We're Southern Baptist churches. And uh, we have tried, though, to just stay low-key. and, and a lot of that's because, well, like when I first came 25 years ago, I came from John MacArthur's church. And so somehow they put me on the executive committee and for our local two-state convention. And I was the president of that committee, and it was for church and growth. Uh, church you growth came from and the health. Church. And they, they assumed that. Yeah. yeah. And it was they didn't understand that, that I had no church growth technique. I was just going to do what John did, preach the word. And but I did that for five years and it kind of opened my eyes to how things work and what people value. And I realized that this is not where the change is going to happen. You're you're either going to make it at the local church or you're not, um, unless you really like politics. So yeah. we have tried to maintain just a real low key position in it. Uh, instead, we're trying to establish a faithful track record on theology and practice that then we can influence that way. Yeah, for those that want to be influenced. Because, yeah, you can yeah. win a vote, Sure, but next year that vote can go away. So, right. so um, we have no real script here, guys, so we're just going to kind of wander around. Yeah, this is all off the cuff pretty much. So we last meeting uh, that the SPC had, which now at what? That was two, two years ago because yeah, last year. Yeah, right. Um, so they, and this was the big one, they passed a resolution called Resolution 9, um, which was basically on critical race theory and intersectionality and adopting it as a legitimate analytical tool for yeah. churches, which the result was a firestorm of controversy. Yes, yeah, and, and which is what made this convention so 
interesting. It, biggest or, turnout in, I, I mean, from what I understand, since like the 80s. Yeah. There were uh, 17,000 registered. I think 15,000 something showed up. Yep. Biggest room I've ever been in in my life. Yeah, it was, was huge. It was crazy. Um, and a whole bunch of Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> Ascending on to yeah, national Baptists was, everywhere. Yeah, and you could tell a lot of them really like potlucks. <laughs> well, I'm just, How come? How? <laughs> I just, you could sense it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> uh, but they are Baptists, and it was, it was actually kind of interesting to watch, but that, it was quite the show. And well, you realize kind of how weird we are being in the North because everyone had a Southern accent and then there's us, mine with my Midwestern and yep. whatever you have. Yeah, we were, yeah, I don't know what I have, but we definitely stood out. Yeah. Um, and, and we were there because Tom Askell, I think we said this in another podcast, Tom Askell of the Founders Ministry, uh, he just made the point of, look, if every church actually that's actually a SBC church sent messengers. Think about the kinds of changes that we could do. And and we thought, you know what? We've been here long enough. Let's do it. Let's let's go. Let's be represented and and let's kind of learn. So we went there really ignorant. I mean really ignorant. Um, and we learned a lot. We made some mistakes as a result too, because we didn't understand how things worked. Yeah. And so you're looking at the order of events and we're like, oh, we can skip that. And then you find out all kinds of really cool things happened during that really boring 10 minutes yeah. that it wasn't boring. Well, this was the first uh, SBC for both of us. Yeah, yeah. We'd never been. Yeah. So it was really interesting though to see the, I was telling some people at the church just to see the whole process and all the voting and the motions and how all that stuff works out. But yeah, we skipped a pretty major vote. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we made some mistakes, and it is what it is. But we also learned that it's not the end of the world. Um, in fact, one of the things we learned about resolutions, so back to that Resolution 9, is that a resolution is just that. It's a resolution. It has no power, authority. It's not binding. Um, and so when you look at a resolution, there's always room for, a, we'll call it wiggle room, you know, uh, sure. you're going to interpret what they say one way, I'm going to interpret it another way. And so when you have people look at a resolution, their takeaway can be very different. So we heard that the end of the world and liberalism has now descended in its fullest sense upon the SBC because of uh, the fact that they embraced and voted for this uh, resolution nine. And so we were looking to have it rescinded. Uh, and that was the goal. Um, but Resolution 9, uh, I read it all the way through uh, on my own. It acknowledged that Scripture is the final say on all things. We, we would agree with that. Uh, we also saw in it that the SBC must reject anything that contradicts, contradicts it. Well, that's good. But then it also says that the CRT is a valid analytical tool to use in understanding how race functions in the society, but only as a subordinate tool. And we would say, no, bad. Right. So on one level, they say scripture sufficient and the final say, but we'll bring these things in. And it gets into that idea. I've never actually talked to you about this. Um, I'm trying to remember who made it. It was back in the 60s or 70s, I think. But or maybe it actually goes back to like Aquinas or Augustine or Augustine, however you say it. But all truth is God's truth. And it's the idea that outside of the scripture, there are truthful statements, but insofar that they conform themselves to the scripture. I don't agree with that. I will, I will accept that something might be factual, but truth resides in the person of God, mm -hmm. not within creation. And so I, I'm, I'm really mean about that. I, I'm like, no, that we can talk true in the sense of person to person on a, on a creation level. But when we're talking about true, and let's capitalize that, capital T true, uh, I, I think, no, we have to go to the scripture and only scripture. Yeah. Just curious. Well, there's, there's truth, and then there's what appear to us to be facts. I was just talking about this with actually a the theology study I'm dealing with the men at uh, the church. And they're like, well, what do you mean by that? And I just gave the quick example of, there's probably better examples to explain this, but um, 
you know, we'll, we'll make the statement the sun rises in the east, right? It's just a phenomenological observation we make. And for many, many centuries, that appeared to be a fact uh, until we learned, well, the truth is the earth revolves around the sun. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that's the difference between a fact based on what we perceive in the moment versus what's actually true. Um, and so when you're using something like an analytical tool, it's based on what appears to be factual to us in the moment in the cultural time, but it may or may not have any bearing on ultimate truth. Yeah. Yeah. So this resolution back to nine, it, it, in various ways, it says that the CRT can be misused. The problem though, is it won't define what that is or how, how is CRT possible to be misused? So, it also says then that the CRT can help us deal with race, but again, it doesn't tell us how. Um, and and unfortunately, though, the SBC is committed uh, to it, and they on the you know, on a good level, they're they're committed to racial reconciliation, uh, and and it says that they want to have that based on biblical presuppositions. And so on that level, we can say, yeah, we we have no problem with that, but. If you're going to use a CRT as the tool to help us do that, we would say it's fatally flawed, and therefore we would not have voted back in 2019 for this. Right. But I think a lot of people in their effort and desire to affirm to other people that, that no, we're not racists, <laughs> um, Fine, we had some racist aspects in our past, but but we, we reject that. I think a lot of people just voted for it and didn't really give the kind of thought that yeah, just sort of swept up needed. in the moment, right? So so with that with that background, we we just have a bunch of free thoughts that we're going to go. There's no real um, order to it, or even how we'll, how we'll come across. But we hope it will open your eyes a bit to the SBC. Again, we always remind you this podcast first and foremost is for our members. Um, we both are Southern Baptist churches, so we want to give that. But we, we, we think that this will be interesting if you're Presbyterian or independent or whatever you are, just to appreciate what goes on within the SBC and also our thoughts about it. Yeah. Well, first of all, this resolution is like most resolutions in that it doesn't actually solve anything. <laughs> it just functions mostly as a lightning rod for, you know, anyone remotely interested. Nice thing about resolutions is they, I heard someone say, they, they basically take the temperature of the SBC in the moment. So there's nothing binding, doesn't require us as a SBC church to do anything. Um, it's just kind of what's going on in the minds of SBC people. But it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't move anything forward. It doesn't accomplish yeah. anything tangible. In fact, one guy, his name is Neil Shenvey. Have you read some of oh, his yeah. stuff? He commented on this whole resolution, and he didn't have a major problem with it, which really made people mad who were anti-CRT. Uh, but he was very careful in how he parsed it and broke it down. And um, I actually appreciated that he was trying to be nuanced and careful and and but ultimately, uh, he he's like I don't I don't think it's evil, um, and I w I personally kind of tend toward that, and and that that's coming from a guy who is rabidly anti CRT. It it in no way shape or form does it impose anything upon you or I or our church. Um, but like you said, it took a temperature, and people were really excited, wanting to just. I mean, think about what was going on in 2019, right. and um, right. they just wanted to let people know, look, we want re reconciliation. We want unity of, of between the races, and I, I, I think that's all it was. Which, on the surface, is not a bad thing. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Now, no. however, we did think it was unhelpful uh, because it does – end up opening the door to the idea of CRT and intersectionality and somehow that they have a validity uh, in the church. And, and we just simply reject that. Well, that's not ever going to help. Uh, it, in fact, we actually would say that CRT and intersectionality in themselves are poisonous when you try to develop a biblical, keyword there, biblical worldview of race or justice uh, or suffering even. Um, because it, it basically enhances the status of an individual based upon the number of intersections, right? right? I'm, I'm, I, I'm a victim. Like one guy, 
I'm a black male, so I'm a male, so that's a something that's almost I should be ashamed of, but I'm black, so that gives me a victim set. But a black female, woo, now we've got mm-hmm. two intersections there, and, and I'm more victim. Now you add I'm a homosexual black female um, and who also has suffers from some chronic physical problem. I've got, you know, I'm a better victim. So it, it enhances people based upon their victimhood or perceived victimhood rather than biblical understanding what suffering actually right. is. Yeah, it, it presumes experience has somehow has the corner on truth and then also knows the way forward. Uh, um, that, that's a good point. And, you know, so there, there's Gnostic overtones to it, right? So like I know Vodi will talk about when it comes to critical race theory in particular, he talks about um, ethnic, ethnic Gnosticism, yeah. where somehow you know something secret simply due to the color of your skin. And and if you're not, if you've not experienced that, or you're not in that category, then you can't speak. Right. And and, and what, what people don't seem to understand is by doing that, they remove then the word of God as the final exactly. authority. It's exactly. your experience. And so it's really the same garbage that's been going on for millennia, um, where we, we look at our own perspective, our own reality, our own uh, sense of things, and we, we, we make that more authoritative than, here's what the word says, now deal with it. Yep. So... Uh, most institutions, we'd also say, um, in fact, if not most, I'd say all, um, will inevitably move toward an increasingly liberal, amoral, non-biblical direction. And the reality of that is simply because you have this constant pressure of, of, of living in a fallen age. So you have sin within you, you have this sin that dwells within everyone else, you have a a, a sinful age, and you have Satan himself, who is the god of this age. All of those are four pressures pushing down. And so, if you if you have any knowledge of church history, you see that no institution ever survives that pressure. Right. Um, the one thing that Christ promised to build was only and always the church. And the church has always survived because that's where the power rests. And then we develop these I'm going to just call them external structures, and and they're not bad, but they're parachurch organizations, they're denominations, whatever, and that's not the church, right. and and now that pressure starts to come in. So I would argue that if you have a bad anthropology, the doctrine of man, or a bad homardiology, the doctrine of sin, or soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, then you will ultimately get led astray just given time. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Now, can you elaborate on maybe how, if they have an errant view of man, let's say? Well, because, you, uh, well. And, and, and I literally set you up, I didn't yeah, prepare whole, you for that. Yeah, well, so. hanging fruit. I mean, if you assume that there's in some aspect good within people, uh, you're going to assume that the systems that they create are good, and now you're off base. I mean, they haven't been formed and shaped by the scriptures, which is ultimate truth. But, you know, I mean, you see it in government. You know, there's, there, there are some good things that government does, but it's a system created by sinful man. But if you're going to look to the system to solve the issue, you're wrong, you're flawed. Well, and that's the other problem with this whole thing is I, I'm not shocked when the society looks to the government for help. But when I look at the church and they're looking at the government for help, it's like you're looking at the wrong place. Yeah, you're looking at a fallen government governed by corrupt individuals um, in every sense of that word, and then you're thinking somehow in that it's going to be good, when in fact all it really is is just going to be a different manifestation of power and, right. and power that's sinful power. So yeah. it's a mess. Um, we would say, though, that that drift never occurs fast usually. Um, it, it's, a, it's a process, if you will, of a thousand cuts, and they just take their toil. Now, some cuts are deeper than others, uh, but we see it. That's what we see going on with the SBC, but we could say the same thing with any Presbyterian movement or Lutheran or anything sure. else. The ELCA was not always liberal, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? I mean, it just everybody ultimately starts to move, uh, and that, that pressure sin pushes, and, and that's what we saw here. Yeah. So we, we went down there. Um, I think you mentioned Tom Askell said, look, just 
you know, if you actually go and make a boat, you might see things move in a direction that you desire or think is good. So we went down, um, we elected a new president. Uh, the one we voted for did not get elected. Nope. Um, they, they elected, um, well, actually, so there were four main candidates and the one we voted for one had the most votes in those four. Yeah. But according to the constitution, the president elect needs to have at least 50% of the vote. Right. Uh, and so there was a runoff between Ed Litton and Mike Stone. Mike Stone. And then. And uh, we like Mike Stone. He, yeah. And uh, in that runoff, which is the one we weren't at because <laughs> we didn't understand. Uh Ed Litton won. And I think it was what, like a 52 to 48? Yeah, 500 and change votes. Yeah. So we were mad. At, we were mad at ourselves because we didn't know. Uh, what we did, like, if you were to look at the table of contents of the flow of the business, it will say, like, 10 minutes is devoted to recognizing past presidents. And we're like, yeah, we don't need to right. do that. Well, it turns out, though, that <laughs> anyone, anyone who's a messenger during that time can get up and make a motion. And and you have to vote on it and debate and all kinds of fun stuff happens. Yeah. Um, and so it's not just ten minutes of talking about a few presidents who we liked and this and that. It's literally here they are, and then somebody could say, "I move that we uh, eliminate this man from the list and denounce him." And you know, if he gets a second, it goes up for a vote um, because it's not top down. It literally is a congregational rule in that sense. So. We didn't understand that there would be a, another vote later on and missed out. Yeah. And we're angry about that. Uh, now, talk a little bit about Russell Moore, though. Uh, he was He's the former president of the ERLC. <laughs> and his leaked letter. Yeah, leaked as in, um, yeah, right. So he, he, wrote, a, he wrote a letter – I mean, and he, I mean, I don't want to presume motives because I don't know. But I mean, he wrote a letter to J.D. Greer, who's the president, um, talking about all these like sort of backdoor conversations and all kinds of evil uh, that is taking place in the leadership of the SBC surrounding like uh, cover-ups of abuse and these kinds of things. Um, and so he he wrote this letter to J.D. Greer. What like three four weeks ago? Well, it got leaked four weeks ago. Yeah, and then he resigned uh, from the SBC as a result of some of this and then how he's been treated, um, which the timing of that is suspicious. Yes. I mean, you're, you're three, four weeks out here from the annual meeting. You know, yeah, and, understand, folks, if you are new to politics, then you can take this and just say, well, you know, it, it just happened. But if you if you understand how politics work and – uh, the world of leaks. <laughs> um, and the SVC is a machine. It is a huge machine. It's fascinating, scary, and kind of cool, all in <laughs> wrapped up in one. I mean, it's big. And yeah. And so you have to understand there's serious politics going on here. People are moving and maneuvering and... Um, well, and you got weird stuff. Like you got even smear campaigns going on. Uh, did, did you see that thing out? And there was one guy running for something and he was doing a smear on um, the head of NAM. Yes. Um, talking about how he's, you know, zero for, or F, he got an F for church plant. He was basically like a report card, F for church planting, F for leadership, blah, blah, blah. And then A for marketing yeah. or something. And it was just, and you're like, are we the church or the U.S. government? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you have all these special interest groups, and, and you have to understand that most of these special interest groups, there's money involved. Uh, money, a lot of money. And, and so they all, have, they all are maneuvering. And, and what I didn't know was that Mike Stone was the head of the executive committee uh, and, at, at the time, and that he uh, – and that executive committee had decided that they would begin to look into how the ERLC um, and the statements that they're putting out. If, you've, if any of you have ever heard of Russell Moore, you'll know that he has a habit of saying some really obnoxious things, implying uh, racism where it's not. And he, he's just extremely liberal in many of his 
positions. I don't like the guy. I don't care for his positions or how he ran that. Um, and Mike Stone now is leading an investigation to see if some of those statements are why people stop giving to the Southern Baptist Cooperative Program, meaning they're like, look, if, if this is what you guys are going to do, we're just not going to give anymore until this gets resolved. And then magically, he writes and complains about Mike Stone, and there's a smear on Mike Stone. Three weeks before Mike Stone is up for election. Yeah, and the 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 beef that some people had with his, his letter um, was that it wasn't you know, like an email that you and I would ex have an exchange on. Yeah. It was written very, almost like it was designed to be read by the public, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know how you couldn't read it that way. Well, and he took on that role of a victim. You'd swear that he was just pure as driven snow and, you know, people were being mean to him and uh, I've stood staunchly for these things. And you're like, well, depending on how you look at it, yes or no. Um, yeah. So... He, he had a lot of anecdotal statements, right? Just, yeah. Just, and, and there's no way you can investigate those. So you're, you're forced to take them, and it affects how you view things. So if you're being what's, – what's that thing that we, we got taught in church planting pre um, – Pre-encoding. Yeah. Explain that. Uh, it's where you're like subtly dropping messaging um, in front of the people, and they don't really know it. But it's kind of already preparing their minds. So then when you come around to it, they're already predisposed to want to accept it, if yeah. you will. Yeah. So we even saw that. We're way off our rough, rough outline here. But um, one of the moves, what there's a movement abroad now to change the name of SBC to what? Great Commission Baptist. Yeah. We want to be called the Great Commission Baptist so that we don't we can break from that Southern racist, racist roots exactly. and stuff like right, that. Right. So we noticed the pre-encoding going on though. Throughout the <laughs> conference, there was never the word Southern. It you, had, was, you had SBC in small letters places. Yes. And then it. Great Commission, Great Commission. In massive letters. Yes. And so everywhere you looked, it was Great Commission. And the ones who got up to do their actually prepared talks, they all inserted that phrase. And, and we laughed because we knew what was going on. We're like, you guys are pre-encoding so that maybe in a year or two, we can now put this out and people are now comfortable with it. And yeah, of course, we're all for uh, Great Commission. And let's get rid of this troublesome Southern Baptist. And, and so they're already in the process of moving the masses away. Um, and as if when we change the name Great Commission, Baptists that somehow now will all hold hands and sing kumbaya. Right. Uh, and, and we won't. <laughs> I mean, not at all. So talk about a little bit about Mike Stone. Yeah. You, you said he so won. I jumped ahead here, apparently. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he did win that, that first vote. We liked him. I mean, he, he seems to be quite conservative in a good way. Um, yeah, he's not connected to the cooperative program in the way of giving and, and financially connected. So he does. So he's not an SBC animal. If I could yeah. say it that way. Um, so he's not going to be saying certain things or making certain decisions in light of how he feels he needs to. And he seemed to understand how the politics worked. Yeah. He wasn't too impressed or he didn't come in with rose-colored glasses. He understood there was going to be challenges. Yeah. But he, he was not elected. No. Nope. It was uh, Ed Litton, which we don't know a lot about him. No, nobody um, does. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's... He's. I think he's in his early 60s. He pastors a relatively large church. Um, in Alabama, I believe. Yeah, I forget the name of it. Um, well, it's interesting because he also did not participate in the Q&A. They had a FaceTime, uh, Zoom call type thing where all the candidates were there so they could field questions, and he, he chose not to be there. So you couldn't even hit him with questions of what's your position on this or that. So... Literally, people are voting for a man they've never met, they've never heard, they don't know anything about, and... It's kind of, I think I had mentioned to you, it, it did sort of remind me of this past president election in November. The, it's, the R, national... For the country, yeah. yeah. No one was really for Biden. Just right. They were against Trump. So, it, 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 it seems similar here. No one really knew anything about Lytton. They just weren't for, they were against Mike Stone. Yeah. And 
so, I mean, it is what it is. It was funny, though. It was interesting. Um, after he was elected, Al Mohler was up giving his little speech, and someone comes up, and they're like, so as Ed Litton being a grad of SBTS, um, what are your thoughts about the fact that he's a heretic, essentially? <laughs> yeah. and, and we're all like, well, they, they actually read a quote on his doctrinal <laughs> statement for the church where he basically argues for partialism in um, or modalism, however you yeah, want to he, say it. Yeah, they're all three parts of the the Trinity kind yep. of thing. and Which now magically got erased it, it got from erased, his, what, yeah. that day. <laughs> and it, 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 I mean, it's fine. It is what it is. I mean, I, I wonder if he actually believes that or if it was just poor doctrinal right. statement, well, the just hard sloppy work. statement, you know. I'm pretty confident if I was to ask every messenger there to tell me what the Trinity is, I'd hear nothing but heresy most of the time, right? I mean, it's a complex it's true. thing. So yeah. I want to show some grace here, but <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. And and boy, Moeller is really a politically savvy man. He handled that. He did as only Moeller can handle it. Um, uh, I was I, I with him though, and I know we're just kind of going off the cuff here, but. I, I told you in private, I was sad I couldn't vote for him. Yeah. Because I do, I do have a lot of just historical affection for sure. the man. Um, but I thought he lost it for himself, honestly. I mean, he was not making any definitive statements regarding CRT intersectionality. He's allowing yep. this stuff to creep into his seminary yep. and wouldn't speak against it. I mean, the whole deal that went down at Shepherd's Conference yep. a couple years ago, he just, he, ref Phil Johnson asked him what I thought was a fair question about it. What's your position? He just would not answer it. And he says, you know, I have a position on it. I've been fighting it for years, but I'm just not going to do it in the way that you want me to do it. And to which I was like, I don't know what that means. He's just asking you a question. What's your position? Um, but then this stuff creeps into some of the professors at his seminary and magically it all just gets erased. Yeah. Right. I mean, these videos go away, these professors making statements, certain things get scrubbed from the website. And then now when he finds out everyone's sort of against it, now he makes statements that were against CRT intersectionality. I'm like, it's kind of too late. I think the people who are against CRT and intersectionality, I don't know how much they can trust your, your statements. Yeah. How firm are you going to be and how unbending and yeah, I agree. Um, the politics, again, come yeah. into play. And one of the things that I personally look at is when I see newspapers like the New York Times or the Washington Post, and they are against a candidate, I almost am always for that candidate. <laughs> and and they both were very happy when they saw the Ed Litton um, was voted. So for me, that tells me a lot. When, when a, a, a godless secular newspaper says, this is good, it almost never is good. Um, it, it, they're never going to hold to a strong biblical individual. They always look for the weaker one, the broader, the one who's vague on gender roles. So like, he, he would affirm that women cannot be pastors. Lytton affirms it, but then turns around and has a a series on parenting where he and his wife co-teach it from the pulpit, even though they don't have pulpits right. in his church. They're too cool for that. So it just gets wishy-washy. You're like, it's so what What? What, were, what was she doing when she was admonishing and instructing the church from the stage with you? You know, it's like at some point you have to say, yeah, that's – but again, she, he probably liked Beth Moore. And, you know, like J.D. Greer would have no problem, he said, having Beth Moore teach at his church. And it's like, yeah, well, we would. Uh, but it's more than just her being a female. It's also the content of what right. a person like Beth Moore is going to say. So we'll, we'll just give some real quick uh, impressions of it, and then we will uh, end this little podcast. First of all, the size. It blew me away. Well, it's just massive. It, I, well, when we, walk, when we walked into that, well, first of all, it's at the – what is it, the Music City Hall? Yeah, they had, they had to actually do that quickly because the number of messengers exploded and they didn't have a big enough venue, so they had to shift venues. Yeah, the, the massive music hall in, right in downtown Nashville. And so you walk in, you're like, boy, this is a large place, and you're going up escalators. Oh and, my you're walking, gosh, and you're like, huge. man, it's large. And then you're like, you go into the room that this thing's going to happen. And you walk in, and I had in my mind, this will be a large room. And then you peek in, and it's just, it blew all... 
yeah. thoughts of what I thought this room was going to be because you see people on the stage and they look like little ants three football fields away. It, 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 beyond comprehension. In fact, they didn't have enough seats. Yeah, we were standing in the back. We, I would say easy, a thousand people were standing easy, yep. if not more. And, and that's not counting all the people who were still wandering around looking at exhibits and mm -hmm. It was beyond. Which also was a massive hall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could not be an exhibitor. But we did raid them for all the candy they gave away. Yeah, and uh, you know, you may or may not see a Faith and Fable booth next year. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. <laughs> I, I don't know how much it would cost, but that'd be kind of fun. Give away and, our mugs. Well, we saw people, though. We saw um, Herschel. Herschel York. York, and yeah. he had his handler uh, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> they, they all have handlers. They all have handlers, yeah. And so they're keeping them going. We saw uh, Matt Chandler, uh, Jeff Durbin of Apologia Church, which, surprise, I didn't know is an SBC church. I have to wonder if just people are curious about it. Just he, the state of the SBC, and so I they're just know. coming to the meeting. Cause. But he was actually where you have to sign up and get your yeah, it's true. Your little tag. We saw several people. Um, I ran into Mark Coppinger. He was not happy with the vote, <laughs> um, and we met on a street corner. And, and of course, he saw my name and the inevitable comment about, "Hey, I got your commentaries," and blah blah blah. And, and then uh, your response? Yes, I'll sign him for a hundred dollars, and there'll be a legitimate <laughs> signature. He chuckled too dutifully, and but then we talked about the vote. Him and his yeah. wife seemed to be very pleasant people. So I think. If we actually tried to do a live podcast, we could do it. We could even probably get people and and interview them. Uh, you know, Tom Askell, um, oh, what's his name, Virgil Walker yeah. was there. I enjoyed him. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was very interesting and encouraging and discouraging at the same time because it's just huge. Yeah, and you um, have every stripe and breed. And then add to that, we were just naive. Yeah, yeah, we learned a lot though. It was great. I mean, I'd I'd want to go again, for sure. Tell me about the worship. <laughs> What'd you think of that? I mean, this was they did. I mean, they pulled out all the stops. I mean, they had the the lights and the. So they had a uh, the guy who was leading worship. I mean, he was what was the one that we he was laying on the ground. Yeah, Brandon Walker, Brandon something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were talented. They were, yeah, but all of a sudden, he disappears. We were up front. We, the second day, we, we, we learned. So we got in there early, and we resigned ourselves that you're going to stay there, and we got comfortable chairs. Yeah. Uh, so we were like only like, like five rows from the very well, front. Well, the, the boom camera yeah. that comes out over the crowd was like going right by our faces. Yep. Yeah, it was quite interesting, And but we were right there, and... Um, this guy's leading a song, but first of all, we noticed that so much of the lyrics were devoid of any real meaning. They were just empty. Yeah. And yet people are fervent and raising their hands and singing away. And I'm like, I wouldn't even sing to him. It's like, one, I don't know. And two, I'm saying literally nothing. I'm No. And then all of a sudden the next vo song starts and we hear his voice, but we can't find him. <laughs> it's like, where'd this guy go? And then we find out he's prostrated himself on the stage, and he's singing on his stomach. I'm like, dude, this is just a performance. Just get up, yeah, yeah, get up, come on, knock well, it off. And you got, I mean, conveniently, you left right when they asked everybody. <laughs> I mean, I think I don't know where you went, but I went to the bathroom. Oh, and <laughs> well, as soon as you left, then it was one of those turn to your neighbor and share. God's goodness of in your life or something. So then you had to spend an hour or a minute and a half saying sweet nothings to the person next to you that you don't care about, that they don't care about. And then you well, ushered yourself back in just in time to miss all that. Well, then that guy that's, uh, when we sat down, a guy came up and sat in front of us with his wife and he's a pastor. And I can't remember the, so the song. Oh, he was at some barbecue joint because it's Nashville, and some guy was singing. It was live music. Every place has live music. Country. McDonald's yeah. has live musicians. Um, and so the guy was talking about God uh, finding us in his country song. And he's like, I, I immediately messaged my worship guy and told him, we've got to learn this song. He's like, we could, I, he's like, dude, I could have preached three sermons off of his song. 
And I didn't say anything. I'm just looking at him. I texted Matt, and I'm like, or <laughs> you could just preach the word. And that, folks, is what's wrong with the SBC. <laughs> and that is exactly it. It's like he seemed to be a nice enough fellow, and he loved the Lord and stuff. But it's like you're not convinced that the Bible truly is authoritative, even though I bet you he would sign rapidly on the dotted line saying it's inerrant, yeah. infallible, and authoritative. And this wasn't a, this wasn't a worship song. That was being sung at this. No. It was a uh, some country song that involved at some God. barbecue joint. Yeah, so yeah. Now at the same time, though, we we both agree that whoever was running the actual machine of this conference needs a raise, a pay raise, Absolutely. and he should probably have a month off afterwards because it was they ran it well. Well, to herd that many humans and to have it with, I mean, to have everything just keep running relatively smoothly was pretty incredible. I mean, between the events and the meeting itself that just kept moving. Yeah. And Serious electronics work yeah. in there. It is interesting. So they did do some uh, resolutions. There was an effort to have a really strongly worded resolution on simply the abolition of abortion. And it it was basically saying, look, their effort was, let's, as Southern Baptists, resolve that we will not tolerate anything short of complete abolition of abortion, which we we could see. We were actually very encouraged because when it got read, the, the overwhelming majority yeah. of the messengers there were like, yes, we agree with that. But um, it people who fought against it were saying, look— then you're basically saying there's no room for increments that we can't just incrementalism. Yeah, yeah. and so so like uh, like a care net or a, like a um, a crisis pregnancy center. Right. That's incrementalism. Right. Or let's pass a law outlawing partial birth abortion. That was one that was actually used. So one guy got up, some just some guy, and he recommended the addition of the word alone, just that that single word. And it, and so it's basically that we will not, I think the original said something along the lines, we will not accept incrementalism, period. And he had recommended saying, we will not accept incrementalism alone. And that actually won the day. Yeah. Um, you and I both, we thought that was reasonable. Uh, we, we understand what they were trying to do. They're trying to say, look. Which I agree with 100%. Yeah. I mean, and I think everyone there does. But on the other side, it's like, look, you're not. There's also reality here. Yeah, yeah. the reality is, is that you live in a fallen government. Um, now, I think it was written by the guys connected to Jeff Durbin there, okay. uh, Post Mill. Uh, they want to bring a th theonomy, uh, you know, all of that. So it's like you can do that all day long, but the reality is it's not going to be. So, it, but it was exceedingly overwhelmingly approved and voted. And I, I, I walked away encouraged with that. It's like it was clear that that room representing all of those thousands of Southern Baptist churches that they were clearly pro-life. Mm -hmm. They hate abortion. Um, so... Yeah. But again, it's still a, a resolution. It doesn't have any authority. It's just taking the temperature. And the temperature at that point, I'm like, all right, That's I don't good. like your vote for Ed Litton, but I'm thankful that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. And, and then they also tried to get rid of uh, Resolution 9. Res 9, yeah. So well, so what, was, what, what stood out on that? Because it was interesting. It didn't pass. Well, yeah. Well, first, <laughs> it was actually funny. He just said, because uh, someone, yeah, tried to stand up to reverse it, basically. Yeah. And. I remember Greer was like, well, you're out of order because you can't rescind a resolution that was made two years ago by a different group of people. Right. But, it, which uh, is legit. I yeah, mean, he said, you can't pretend that we didn't say, or a group of people who were sitting in your place, you can't pretend that they didn't say what they said. They said it, and it was passed. You can say you don't agree with it, but you can't make it pretend like it never happened. Yeah. So we learned also, well, some things are out of order, and you just don't – you can do it all day long, but we won't yeah. let you. I mean, you got to follow the old Roberts rules. And, um, th and then there's this thing called Resolution 2, um, and and I like that one because it, it – we didn't vote on it because we weren't there for that one. But it, it passed. It, it rejects any theology that finds one's – ultimate identity in one's ethnicity, which really is a subtle way of saying we reject CRT. Yeah, though it doesn't explicitly state it. Yeah. 
So on the one hand, you couldn't rescind Resolution 9, but they did pass this other one, which essentially implies that, look, we're not going to accept critical race theory and these kinds of things. But we did talk. I mean, devil's in the details. Yep. It also comes down to what the individual churches and pastors and people are going to do. I mean, so you might say, I agree with Resolution 2 on paper, but I also think your experience is more valid because yep. you got darker skin. Yeah, absolutely. So nothing... Even with the passing of Re Resolution 2, the rejection of Resolution 9, the passing of the abolition abortion, none of that changes individual positions. Right. And, and since it's not a top-down structure, again, it's the individual – if you don't know Southern Baptist, the big doctrine that they all agree on is autonomy of the local church. Uh, that cannot tell me what happens from my pulpit. So, uh, in fact, in our membership class, I always tell that to the prospective members of the good thing about the Southern Baptists is the autonomy of the local church. The bad thing of the Southern Baptists is the autonomy of the local church. If you have a, a, a solid pulpit and leadership, then you can preach the word and effect people's lives through the word for the good. But if you have a weak pulpit, yeah. uh, nobody from the outside can say, well, you can't have that woman do that or you can't teach that doctrine. So it's very hard to remove a person, which is why Steve Furtick. Yeah. I didn't see him. <laughs> well, I, I doubt you will. I, Although didn't they, someone made a motion to remove uh, Rick Warren. Yeah, I, and uh, I didn't pass either. Because he just he just ordained a bunch of females to the pastorate, yeah, which is on paper contradicts what SBC right. holds to. But right, so a few more thoughts. Uh, a guy named Owen Strachan, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, he points out that everyone seemed concerned about the world watching, but then he said, "But what we really should be concerned about is that God is watching." And I think he made an excellent point that only one of those groups matter is. Do we care about what does God think or what the world thinks? And I think the one of the great weaknesses right now in the SBC is that they're too concerned with what the unbelieving world thinks. Um, and it's like, we don't care. I really should not care. We should care. Are we being faithful? Yeah. I, I, I was telling word? people, because I made the announcement at, the, at my church up there on Sunday as well that we went, um, in that... It doesn't matter. There's no, I mean, they have no authority in our church. I said, but someone had said, and I think I agree with it, is the SBC always seems to be like one or two steps behind the culture, but they always want a seat at the table. Um, and the problem there is we forget all, the only eyes that matter are God's. Right. And so instead of trying to constantly conform or have a voice, it's like, why don't we just, you know, do what the scriptures are calling us to and will bear fruit. And and you can do it subtly or you can do it bluntly, but there's going to come a point for every true Christian that somebody will ask you, what's your position on homosexuality? And if you're going to be truly faithful, you, you, I, you can say it as subtly as you want, but at some point you have to ultimately say, no, it's sin. Uh, just like adultery is sin and greed is sin, it's sin. Um, Ed Litton, I think he... He, uh, I, I was reading one article he wrote, and he talked about how homo the Bible whispers about homosexuality as a sin, but shouts about other things as sin. I'm like, no, no, it shouts everything as sin. Uh, <laughs> um, but but it's again playing that subtle. We want to show grace and kindness, but it's like at some point you're going to whisper or shout it doesn't matter you're not going to ease sin. people into the kingdom no. right and the world will always ultimately hate you because Christ said it will um, and Paul said anyone who desires to live godly in Christ will be persecuted it's just it yeah. is what I mean, it I is just, I tell people look at Jesus Christ was the embodiment of grace and yet he was still executed so if you're if you're following him <laughs> and you don't fully embody that you can't perfectly embody that grace you're going to get persecuted too. So why don't you just take a position and just go instead yeah. of trying to ease people in or thinking that speaking hyper hyper gracious terms or in non-dogmatic speech is going to somehow convince a dead heart. You know, I, I think you've lost if that's your approach. And, and I think that in our society today actually what's needed is clarity, not subtlety. Um yeah because of the a gross high speed 
abandonment of any rational thinking. Um, again, going back to that libs of TikTok, and it's like, are you serious? Um, a couple yeah. more thoughts. SBC, you guys have to understand it's a big tent. They're, the Baptist faith and message is orthodox. It's evangelical. Uh, it is intentionally broad because of what it, it, it exists to be, but it does end up pr- producing a broad spectrum of churches, and there's various theology, doctrine. Uh, Leighton Flowers was there, I guess. Yeah, yep. You know, and we, we can't stand just about anything that man puts out. Um, and, and so you have to accept the fact that SBC is, is a big tent. But if you can accept the primary purpose of the SBC is to not be a church— so, in other words, it's not a place where right. you have to have absolute unity of theology and practice. Rather, the goal of the SPC is a partnership for the spread of the gospel, and that's what it does well. I, I, I will say that always. I don't think there's a better mission-sending agency out there than the Southern Baptists. It's phenomenal. Uh, they have an incredible power and a, ability to plant churches. Those individual churches will be good or bad depending on the pastor, but that's no different than any other reality in in our world. I mean, right. you get a godly man faithful to the text, that church will be solid. If you get an ungodly, unfaithful man, it won't. But the machine of the Southern Baptists to plant churches and spread the gospel and send missionaries, I don't think any other place comes close to it. Yeah, so, so if, if you can keep that in mind, it will— keep you from becoming disheartened over a punctiliar moment in the life of the SBC, right? So Al Mohler made an excellent statement, I thought, on just the stain power of institutionalism. And this is, again, his political mind, but I thought it was a helpful statement. He said that if you're upset over something going on right now, you don't have to abandon ship, just wait a decade. Um, and, and everything will just yeah. be different again, right? There's going to be new leaders, new goals, new issues. The culture will change. But hopefully the gospel will still be going forward that entire time. And we would just say, if it does, then it's worth it to stay, um, regardless of what are, whatever internal tumult, tumultuous issues are presently raging. Um, the gospel is still going forward. So, yeah. Well, and, and so as long as the gospel's there. We can hope. partner with it. Yeah, say amen. there's hope. Yeah. Yep. And we're beneficiaries of it, at least, I mean, with the church plant and all that stuff. Absolutely. So, um, so the biggest problem— with SBC, and we'll, we've said it before, we'll say it again, are just those weak pulpits, um, the same as every other Christian entity throughout the history of the church. Um, so we do hope to go back next year, uh, Lord willing, with a larger group and try to make our voice heard until I guess we're not allowed to speak. Yep. So with that, <laughs> that's our thoughts. Uh, hopefully they're, they were interesting to open your eyes a bit. Next time we'll talk about something else. We don't know what. <laughs> Probably back into ecclesiology, though. But until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. Uh, we do want to hear your thoughts if you have some on the SBC. But until then, don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend. Mm-hmm.